as I was preparing uh, today, I didn't know if Pastor would be here or not. So I was preparing to bring the word today. And uh, what I want to share just a little bit before we begin our offertory worship. The word of the Lord during our Thursday night Vesper service was from Matthew 10, uh, 32 through 40, where Jesus talked about our love for him by comparison by comparison to the, our love for our family would look like we're turning our backs on our family. Uh, Lord, the Lord said the enemies would be in our own household because of the decision to follow him and to bear the stigma of the cross because it's going to look like you don't love nobody in your family. All you want to do is go to church. You just want to be with the saints. All you want to do is pray. You're trying to be deep. You're trying to be more spiritual than us and all the rest. But to bear that cross, yeah, because if you're going to sit there and try to save your life, Jesus just called it. He says, that's disowning me. If you're going to sit there and try to save your life, save face, to not follow me, he just saw that as disowning him. Yeah. Anybody talk about disownership? In other words, you don't want yourself associated with that name. Not in, I'm not going to be too deep. I'm not going to be too fanatical. And so much concern about what others will think of us. And I begin to think back over my life. And uh, the Lord just reminded me of different points in my life where I've had to make the decision of what it looks like versus what it is. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a good title for a message, what it is. Because very often, I remember just shared this a little bit, in my days at, uh, at Oral Roberts University, I came in and all fired up to become a TV and radio production major and, and uh, wanted to play in the, what was then a very popular uh, singing group on the campus called Souls of Fire. They had both a small group and a choir. And I wanted to be with the small group because the small group gets to travel all during the summer, whereas the choir would only travel twice a year during spring break and occasionally a few places around Oklahoma, you know. But I wanted to be with the big group, you know, the small group, because they went all summer and traveled all over the United States. And, and uh, when I got there, another guy came in, really two other guys, drummers, and they were bad. Ooh, they were so good. And I couldn't play in the small group. I had to play for the choir. And those of you who know something about me in my days, even before going away to school, I didn't care to play for choirs because choirs do choir music. And a lot of the, you know, whereas small ensemble groups do stuff that drummers can really get into. And that's why I had to play for the choir. And, and um, I remember having to come to grips with um, being faithful with where you are. And the Lord requiring to give your best where you are, even if you don't like it. I want to be another. That's part of the reason why I came here, so I could be in the other group. I you know, the plan for the choir was okay, but I wanted to be with the group that traveled and ministered all over the place. And God said, be faithful where you are. And that was just one point, decision. Serve where you are. Be the drummer, because being the drummer of the choir also meant being a grub, as we called them, because we set up PA equipment like this everywhere we went. And so it, it didn't mean being what you see me doing sometimes back there now, being the sound guy. It meant being the guy that nobody knew nothing about, who had to set up microphones and wires and put up speakers. Yeah. And set up your own drums and then play for the night, then take everything back down and help all the other guys with the grub work. Yeah. But you decide to serve where you are faithfully. Little did I know that those lessons during those college days would lead to when the Lord told me and my wife after we got married, when we moved back here to St. Louis and began to serve in the local church, that it would mean faithfully serving where you are. The grub work. 
that nobody else wants to do. I remember in my days at Abundant Life Fellowship with Pastor Matthew Ferguson, my pastor, and they had asked me to work on the radio, do the radio broadcast for them. And with them having a daily radio broadcast, that means many hours of recording and editing and putting together programs. And they were on two stations, still are. Two daily broadcasts for two different radio stations and having to drive the tapes all the way out to St. Charles, to KIRL, and all the way out to Columbia, Illinois for WCBW, where they were located at the time. And nobody knew, and no pain, and using your own gas money to do it. Because if this is where I said I was going to serve, this is where I'm going to serve. I remember Sister Ferguson, and one of those times I was like, man, I'm doing all this work using my own gas money. She said, we'll give you gas money. There's no problem. Oh, and the Holy Spirit just, because you serve faithfully where you are. My wife talked about it Thursday night, how we would work and serve in the ministry and uh, how we started in an apartment. She talked about that, Pastor Raven. Love Reach started in you and Glenn's apartment. <laughs> and we weren't even looking for pay. We went and got part-time jobs, full-time jobs, and worked for the ministry. Put your money into the work. Because we weren't looking for, let's get out there and be famous and make money. It's served faithfully where you are. Now, we finally got a few things together. The Lord settled us down. Now, here we are today, right? And I've shared with you sometimes about my wife's and I's, uh, my life when children came and getting great jobs and losing it all. My wife reminded me in one of our counseling sessions, we were, we were handling premarital counseling. That's what we do here. My wife and I, we do premarital counseling. And uh, we were talking with a couple, and my wife reminded me of some of the things that I did that I never really even thought about. I'm not pinning medals on myself. I just want to show you something about part of the call to say yes that God has made today. She reminded me of how when we moved here to St. Louis, I did anything to get a job. I, did, I came because the Lord said to come back to St. Louis. I knew I would be involved in the ministry, but did not come here to St. Louis and start knocking on doors for different churches to hire me and to give me a position on their roster and all of that. I came here and got a job because if the Lord said for me to come, then I knew the principle of the word of the Lord. A man must provide for his own household first. She reminded me of all that stuff. I worked, I worked at shoe stores and river roads. I worked at Better Way Meat Stores. Remember Better Way Meat Stores, y'all? On Kings Highway in West Florissant. I worked there in the freezer, yep. I would walk, see the bus line where we live out in Territory Square Apartments on New Halls Ferry, bus line would only come so far after certain times. So I had to walk from New Halls Ferry and Chambers down to River Roads Mall, catch the bus from there to get to the King's Highway store. I did that every day, late at night, because a man is supposed to provide for his own household. And if I'm called to work in the ministry, I have to demonstrate the faithfulness first. That's how it is. So the call to say yes, I guess I'm talking to mostly brothers maybe, the call to say yes means you're going to work. You're going to let go of this dream to be this big superstar or whatever, and you're going to work. You're going to deal in this life so that you can have what I experienced in that counseling session with my wife bragging about me. She said, this man, she just thought, this man worked. He, would, he, walked, he walked, he rode the bus, he did anything. It took. And I'm like, I forgot all about all that stuff. But that's how it is when we say yes to God. I had no idea that the call to the ministry would mean being an associate pastor of a local church and serving 
with my blood brother. I just knew that the Lord said, go to St. Louis. Yeah, that was tough enough. It's rough to leave Tulsa. Y'all ever been to Tulsa? Anybody ever been to Tulsa? Churches everywhere, Spirit of God, just all over the place. Christians everywhere, you, I mean, everywhere. And then you come to St. Louis, and I came here supposedly on a job transfer. I worked for Radio Shack in Tulsa. I asked for a job transfer to St. Louis, 1981. I got here, the guy said, transfer, no problem, come on, because we need guys up here in the St. Louis area. So that's why I moved. We didn't just didn't quit a job, come to St. Louis, and didn't have no job waiting for me. I came here because they said they would transfer me, and as far as I knew, I was being transferred. When I got here, I went up, they drove down to South County. Y'all know who, how St. Louis was 10 years ago, right? Went down to South County Mall to the Radio Shack headquarters, and the secretary, when I walked in, said, hi, I'm Chris Green from Tulsa. She went, you're Chris Green? And she went into her boss's office and closed the door. And when she came out, she just said, he says that there are no openings in the St. Louis area. That was my initiation to answering the call. But God, I thought I had a job waiting for me. I wouldn't even be here. Now I got to go live in my mother's house because I, I figured it all up instantly. That meant no apartment, got to live at home with mom. Oh, man. Yeah. But you say, yeah. So that's what started my quest to find a job, get a job, find a job, get a job, work, be faithful. We moved from apartment to apartment. We didn't always do it right. One time, the first time we moved out of my mom's house, it was just to get out of that house. Because we was newlyweds. So we had to get out, I want to get out of my mother's house. And we moved out, my mom said amen. <laughs> so we got out of that house. I'm getting some feedback up on the monitors. We got out of that house and moved over to, how many of y'all know what Crown Manor apartments are on, on Chambers? A little bit close to New Houseberry. And we moved upstairs over this guy who played Rick James <laughs> night and day. Y'all know Hammer Song, Can't Touch This? Y'all know that those are the same, that's the same bass line for Rick James' song. So, Pastor Chris, what you doing knowing that? <laughs> I know that because this brother played it night and day. So when Hammer came out with Don't Touch This, I was like, oh, that, da, 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 da. I didn't want to hear that no more the rest of my life. He played it 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning. I went downstairs, knocked on his door. Would you please turn on the music? Oh, man, it's just thin walls. What can I say, man? We, that, see, we moved into that place because we just didn't want to be in my mother's house. And the Lord just said, see, you didn't wait on my time, and you ended up in the wrong place, and now you're going through all this harassment and hassle. Yep. We were so upset, we broke the lease to get out of that place. Gave up our last month's rent to get out. No sleep. How do you go to work if you like this every day? Because you've been up all night. It wasn't worth it. First lesson learned. You don't make no steps until after the Lord says, even for the convenience of getting away from mom and dad. I love mom and dad, but I had to get out. I just So there we are, back in mom and dad's house again. We ended up there anyway. And that's when the Lord gave me the job working at the shoe store. Then we moved over to Territory Square Apartments. Then I got the job at Better Way. Yeah, Brother George gave me his car. Where is George? I've been knowing George a long time. And he gave me his car. He had a old beat-up Chevy Caprice. He don't mind me calling it beat-up because he know it too. But that's all he had. He got him another car, so, and he gave me his other car. He, he, so. And I remember I used to drive when that was all, the, during those days of riding back and forth on the bus line, he found out about it, gave me his car. And I remember I had to drive in a few blocks, then stop the car and get underneath the car and put the muffler back up on it and then <laughs> drive again. I remember eventually just using that car to be my way to go from 
from uh, my apartment to River Roads Mall, as far as I go. Then I still take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I didn't have to make that walk. Because that's as far as the muffler would last. It would last from my apartment to River Roads Mall. And I look back on those times, those were some fun times, but there were many times that the enemy wanted to get us sidetracked. And I remember when the Lord, I mean, I was working one day, and the Lord just dropped this thought in my mind to help my brother in the ministry, to help him. Pastor Ray was traveling evangelistically at the time. And um, just at work, and this thought came, go ahead, you know, help Ray. And I'm like, okay, but I learned enough to know you don't make no move. Unless the Lord speaks to them and said, God, you're going to have to confirm this. And so a few days later, my mother called me at work and said, is the Lord speaking to you about going on the road to help Ray? <laughs> Establish the witness. And then that's, that's just how it, it happens that way sometimes. It seems like family members always calling up at just the time and giving the word of the Lord and confirming the word. And Ray called in his reluctance. He didn't want to ask me to do that. Because by then, Carol and I had been married a couple of years. It was 83 by then. And asked reluctantly because he knew the decision would mean my going away and Carol being at home by herself for a period of time. So now this newlywed couple who couldn't stand to be out of each other's sight are going to be separated <laughs> while I'm on the road helping past, well, Ray. And I remember telling him, because he, he really didn't, he got to the point where he was not going to ask me to do that. And I said, this is not your decision. Because um, he has this real thing about not requiring of people who work with him. Keep this in mind, leadership. He has this thing about not asking of you. And then if it, if it falls through, it's not that you're going to blame him, but he'll feel like it's his responsibility if it fails. And he feels like it because he asked you to step out. And then if you fall on your face, he feels responsible. That's the daddy side. It's like when daddies tell their sons, come on, walk, walk. And then the son stands up and falls on their face. And be like, oh, man, if I hadn't told you to walk, you wouldn't have hurt yourself. That's how it feels. But anyway, I said, this is God. He's telling me the responsibility is it'll be on me. So I went on the road and helped, and guess what I ended up doing? Grub work. I wasn't going on the road to help him preach. I set up the PA system. I recorded all the messages. Yeah. Even when he was praying for people after the service, the Lord would tell me to go stand in the back or stand in the corner and just intercede. I was never up front, always in the back, carry the luggage, make the cassette tapes after the service, keep up with the money, what little there was, send it back home. The grub work, saying yes to God. See, because sometimes you make decisions to say yes and you think this is it. And it turns out to be what you just left. God's looking for faithfulness. Now you've got more responsibility, but he's still looking for faithfulness. He's still looking for yes, Lord. Oh, this is God. I didn't mean to take up so much time, but the Lord is saying, yes, sir. Say so we'll take the offering later. This, I didn't even mean to get into all this. Oh, God must be speaking. Yes, sir. And I remember those were the days when he was calling Sister Brenda all the time. You know, they were, he was traveling. He called back to New Jersey, see how she was doing. He was pitifully in love, you know. And every, ho every home or hotel that we stayed in, he called New Jersey, man. Every single stop. And then finally, we ended up with a trip that would involve our, me staying in uh, with him for an extended period of time. And at that time, I called and asked my wife if she would join me, which would mean giving up the apartment that we had worked so hard to get and keep. But the word of the Lord came to us again, that if we give him all, that what he would give back in return would be way more than what we ever gave up. So my wife joined us, and guess what? She helped me in the group work. 
she took off some of the paperwork that I was all into so that I could do more grub work. It's always been this way. So I'm just giving you some of the background, the reason why a pastor stands up here and he cries every time he mentions our name. And it's no painting of medals on us. But in our minds and our hearts, it has never been about just simply following Raphael Green. It has always been about following the direction of the Lord for our lives, which included walking in covenant with Raphael Green. That was it. If Raphael Green had fallen into sin and all the rest, like different leaders that you've seen, that would not have changed the call on our lives and the response that we had to make to God. Getting back to On the Road, 1983. It was during those days and those times that the Lord was knitting our hearts together in a way that we could not even begin to explain. God knew in 83 that in 1987, he would call us together as pastors. We had no idea, none, at least I didn't. If he did, he never told me. And after he and Sister Brenda got married in July of 83, my wife and I returned home. Guess where? To mom and dad's house. Because <laughs> we had given up the apartment. And I'll never forget that month because my friend, my ace boon coon buddy from uh, him, in fact, he and Carol grew up together in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I met him and Carol at Oral Roberts University. And so we were just like this. We upset the school with some of our antics. Y'all can't even picture that me, picture me like that. I tell you, one of the things that we did, the school newspaper uh, advertised or put out this big picture of Jesus holding up the city of faith when it was first introduced. Tell you the kind of pastor that you have. So just to make a point, he and I went through the pictures and made one of the Jesuses black, made another one of the Jesuses Hispanic, made another one of the Jesuses Oriental, and put it out all over the school. <laughs> so that's to tell you a little bit more about me, right? We were partners. We used to call ourselves the Black Brothers. Remember that, because during those days, the Blues Brothers was out, John Belushi and all that. So we called ourselves the Black Brothers, complete with the dark glasses and everything. Y'all can't even picture me like that, can you? So this is my partner, and he asked my wife and I to come to Tulsa to visit them, because he knew I'd been on the road with Ray, and... Um, just a chance for us to get back together again because we hadn't seen each other in a couple of years at that point. And when we got to Tulsa, the Lord kept saying, I told you to go back to St. Louis. I told you to go to St. Louis. He was saying, he was trying to get me, us to move back to Tulsa, get started on, you know, he said, man, you can get a job. He tried to get us on at City of Faith to work there. He tried to get me on anywhere, tried to get me on at the TV station, jobs that there's no worry, there's no reason in the natural why I couldn't get them because I had the skills. But the Holy Spirit was saying, no, you are not supposed to be here. I told you to go to St. Louis. And at the risk of our friendship, he and his wife let, went on a, a little short trip and left their, their apartment to us just to keep until they got back. And during that time, we could just continue to look for a job uh, while they were away. And at the risk of our friendship, I said, Carol, the Lord says for us to go home and to go home now. And for a season, it did cost me my best friend. He was furious with me. We did not speak for years. In fact, it wasn't until maybe two years ago that we started talking again. Because he never understood that decision. God told me to go to St. Louis. And it's not against you, but I've got to go. The Lord says we're supposed to be there. So we went back home to St. Louis. My wife got a temporary job, temporary services. B. Lear, temporary services. So I'm naming all places so you know we're just like you. And I started looking 
this great quest again. Find a job, not going to sit back and, quote, wait for the ministry that the Lord has called me to. <laughs> nope. Get a job. Take care of my house. I'm living at home with my mom and dad again. Get a job. Get back established like we were. The Lord sent me on the fast. Pray. Seek his face. And I'll never forget. He said, one day he just said, get up. Go to the job service today. Okay. So I make my three times a week, because you could go three times a week in those days to the job service. That's when they posted jobs. So I go there today, and the guy I ended up, who knows me by face now says, oh, man, a job just came up. It's exactly what you can do. He said, you can be, you, it's uh, with beneficial. It's in finance, and you can do this. So I went out there and got the job. By then, it was, let's see, from July to November, took four months, I got the job. And I worked on that job for five years. And during that five-year period is when we really went on the roller coaster. Because in the midst of the wonderful things God was doing, I got that job, full-time work, uh, insurance, benefits, all that stuff I had never had before. Even got into the company stock and savings. I had never had all this stuff. I'm like, yes, we're on our way now. And I wouldn't still wouldn't think about ministry. I'm just providing for my own household. My wife started working. Her temporary job turned into full-time employment with Malin Cry. First, she just started there as a temporary. She did such good work, they hired her. Ooh, so now we got two good-paying jobs. We moved out of mom and dad's house. <laughs> Again, <laughs> what a story this is. I got to write this. <laughs> so we moved out again, got our own apartment, Canfield Green Apartments. Y'all know where that is? Y'all know where Canfield is? I love it. It's a nice, lovely place. Two-bedroom apartment, too. Ooh. <laughs> Two bedrooms and no children. <laughs> Bought us a car, went and got a loan to buy a car. Got it, because Malincrot had a credit union. Ooh, we had never had this, but credit union. <laughs> yeah, got our first visa, our famous bar, Spiegel's. I said, that's it, three credit cards. But all of a sudden, we were in the life that everybody is after. And then I was reminded, the Lord said, didn't I tell you that if you give up all for me, that you have much more than you could ever ask or think? See, we gave up what we had had to go on the road with Pastor in February of 83. Not November of 83, I had a job. By the next year, February of 84, one year later, we're in a two-bedroom apartment with two cars and credit cards which we did not run up, thank the Lord. Refused to do that. But you see what I mean? God totally turned it around. He was true to his word. But I'm giving you kind of the practical side because sometimes people give testimonies about how God blesses you so and he blesses, but they don't tell you about the in-between. And the in-between is get up every day, go look for a job, work. God will bless the labor of your hands, not just blessings pouring down out of nowhere. We got jobs because we went looking for jobs. We got jobs because we went in and filled out the application. Uh oh, I'm getting, oh, I feel the heat. We got jobs because we went and filled out applications. We did not sit back and wait for them to come. Nobody called me. We went looking, both of us, because that's part of the call to say yes to God. I'm not putting all the emphasis on finding a job. The emphasis is obey God. Do what it takes when we say yes to God. Now life is fine and wonderful. Going to work, coming home. We, we start going to Grace World Outreach. Got into their layman school. Oh, this is wonderful. Getting rooted and grounded in the word. 
But every time the word comes, the word is going to be tested. We had, let me see, Carol was pregnant. Oh, now we're really happy. Now we got a baby coming. Ooh, baby coming. We got an apartment. This is wonderful. Then we found the house. Thank the Lord. Moved into the house. Then the baby is born. And Carol takes her leave of absence from her job. This is great. I'm still figuring out the bills, tell you the type of person I was. I had everything so detailed, figured, as far as our finance and budget. I had us scheduled over, the, over a five-year period. Sure did. Every paycheck was on the calendar. Every bill was paid for five years. How to pay off the car, pay off uh, the credit cards, to pay off everything within a five-year period, and the only thing we would have had left would have just been the house payment. Had it all planned. Because since she had insurance, I had insurance, we wouldn't even have to go, we didn't have to pay for the baby either. This is great. All God has to do is cooperate for five years. <laughs> y'all already know what it's about to how many of y'all done said that? God, if you would just cooperate, I've got it planned. It will work. Well, time for Carol to go back to work. We've got the daycare all set up. Even that's not going to be a pain to our budget. Everything just fine. She goes back to work. I get this phone call at my job. Carol says, they canceled my job. My position is no longer open. In my mind, the world fell apart because again, it don't take me long to figure it out. I knew right then it meant. We're gonna end up back in mom and dad's house again. I knew right then. It was a year before it happened, but see, this is the man who had planned out the five-year budget. And I, that's why I do the accounting in the church. I know what certain stuff is going to lead to. I already know. You ain't got no job. That's half of our income. That is it. That, that's it. We are out of here. Because my salary was not enough to handle. We didn't even have that many bills. I don't even know how people make it who run up a bunch of check credit cards and stuff. We only, and we never used the speaker, we only had the two, the Visa and the famous bar. That was it. Two credit cards and a car payment and a house. And still, that wasn't a, my salary alone couldn't handle that. No way. I'm stunned. And somehow, uh, you go through all this big roller coaster. God's going to come through. He's going to let us, He's going to save this for us. He's going to. So now I'm working and I'm looking for another job. And then I'm noticing something strange about to happen. Now I am working to keep the house. And I'm working to pay the bills. And I'm working to maintain and working to live. And God is out of this picture because now I'm in what you guys sometimes hear me refer to I'm in Pharaoh's brickyard I'm making bricks period so you can go from one extreme to the other don't do nothing the Lord gonna bless me and give me a job too that's the total motivation of my life I went from one to the other just I'm gotta pay the bills Got to make the house note. Got to keep up the insurance. I got a wife and a baby. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to mom and dad's house. I'm working to pay the bills. So then I thought, well, okay, we'll give up the house. We'll put it up for sale. Nobody be interested. No buyers. Because interest rates was 12.5% back then. Nobody buying no house at 12.5%. 
and I was living in Moline Acres, which was, I would say, the theft capital of North County. How many of y'all live up around Moline Acres and Jennings? Are you, am I right? The theft capital of North County. So in the midst of this warfare and battle, maintain the house, then guess what? I remember I was, Carol was sewing in the plan with Christopher, and I see this flash of light in the corner of my eye, and I turn around and there is fire leaping out of the kitchen. Woo! Carol had left the, left the grease on. So I run in, I don't know what makes me do things like this. I go and get the best sheets, <laughs> snatch them off the bed, run into the kitchen, grab the skillet holding the sheet around my hand, run it out of the back, throw it out the backyard. All I got was a few singes on, on me, but the sheets is totally messed up. My wife let me know it, too. <laughs> she was glad to get the fire out the house, but not my sheets. <laughs> Typical male response, right? Just grab anything, get the fire out. And so and we beat out the fire that it started on up around the pantries and all that stuff. And then that's followed up a couple of weeks by I had this sense that somebody was going to try to break in our house. I knew it. I knew it. In fact, the day it happened, I don't even know why I did this, as if though they were going to answer the phone. I called home. <laughs> right, they're going to say, hello, green residents. <laughs> but I knew it to the point where I picked up the phone from my job and called home. And when we walked in the door at the end of that day, I looked where my, I, I knew it. I looked and there was no stereo, there was no TV, there was nothing. And I had been doing Abundant Life's radio broadcast using all my equipment. All that stuff is gone, TV gone. We didn't have no jewelry and valuable stuff. We wore what we had, because this was the most precious thing in the world to us. We wore this all the time. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I knew it. And that's when it dawned upon me again. God is so faithful to bring things back to you. What's important? Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and, moth and rust don't corrupt, and where thieves can't break through and steal. Because the, if your treasure is here, it's acceptable to corruption, to fire and theft. Said, Chris, your treasure has now gone into this house. Yes, Lord, a mutual agreement. We'll let it go, God. We will not work to maintain things that are supposed to be gifts. This was supposed to have been a gift, as we thought. Why am I working for a gift? Why am I struggling to maintain what was supposed to have been given to me? Because the word of the Lord says that when he gives blessings, he adds no sorrow to it. So if I'm going through sorrow over this, guess what? This might not be a blessing from the Lord. You got to come to grips with that. That some of the stuff that you've been dreaming, that we've been dreaming and wanting, and some of the stuff we might even have, bears the possibility that it might not be a blessing from the Lord. And one of the ways to judge that, is it a gift or is it taking everything away from you? More importantly, is it taking God? Is it taking his place? Oh, this is powerful today. Yes, sir. So we gave it up and we moved out of that house on the day of my high school class reunion. That was the lowest day in my life because I had told all my friends I was going to be there and I was going to drive up in my nice car that we had to give up with my beautiful wife that nobody at some in the high school knew that I could get. 
I was going to do what everybody does when you go to high school reunion. Like, yes, this is my way. <laughs> All of y'all who turned your nose up at me because you wanted to go out with the athletes and the fine guys. <laughs> It's so funny how life turns around. That's one of those realities. All y'all know what I'm talking about. In those high school days, you see, now all us guys who y'all didn't pay no attention to, you wish you was married to us now. Because <laughs> guess what? We the ones who go to work. <laughs> Okay, I'll get off that subject. <laughs> Y'all seeing a different side of me today, I know. This, my wife laughs at me all the time. This is me. But that was the lowest day in my life. I couldn't go to my high school class reunion, had been looking forward to it. Because how, how long does it take? You know, 10 years. And I couldn't go because I'm, that's the day I'm losing everything that everybody's going to come to high school reunion and brag about. And I'm losing it that day. And I can't tell you that I was, oh yes, Lord. I was so angry, I worked myself sick. I physically got sick. I don't know if you remember that, dear. I got a fever in everything. I worked myself physically sick. I mean, Practically carrying a refrigerator by myself, you know. Mm, 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 mm. Just, I think my dad, my dad helped me move that day. He must have thought I was a madman. I moved everything. Nobody could touch anything. Just, I do it myself. <laughs> I was not yes, Lord, about it. It's like you look forward to this and boy. That's how it is. Gave up the car, lost the house, moved everything we moved into. We didn't move right away at home. We moved into a townhouse because I wasn't going to go home. I was not going to do that. With my salary, I said we can at least get an apartment so we could on my salary. So we moved into a townhouse because I was not going back home. <laughs> so life began in the townhouse. And again, Noisy neighbors, because I know I wasn't supposed to be there. I just didn't want to go back to, oh man, I didn't want to do that. Noisy neighbors up half the night. Uh, the, the parents of the children next door were never at home. Therefore, the, I don't even know what that house looked like on the inside, because mom and dad, if there was a dad, and we understand that situation, was never at home, and the children were left on their own all the time. I don't know what it looked like over there, but it sounded like World War III all the time. And we, and the best way that you know of how big of a mess it is, is because all of the six-legged friends from that apartment were coming to ours. <laughs> Roaches, in case you're trying to figure out what I mean. <laughs> and no matter how much we sprayed that side of the wall next to their apartment, they came in anyway. Okay, so now, we're, now I'm mad because I ain't supposed to be here as far as I'm concerned, dealing with these noisy neighbors and they bugs too. <laughs> yeah. And the Lord said, you know, you're going to have to go back one more time because there's something that I'm establishing and I'm working in you about what it means to say, yes, Lord. We went to a church and sung, and this, there was a preacher there who preached a message, and he was giving his testimony like I'm doing today, and he talked about how not once, not twice, but three times, his saying yes to the Lord meant going back home to live with his parents. <laughs> I was like, please, yes, Lord. All the yeses aren't willing. You just do it because that's what he said do, and I've got enough reverence for God to know 
You do what he says do. Eventually, he works the willingness to do, and he breaks you. And that's what really all of this is about, the breaking process of this particular overseer in the house. There are many stories that you're going to hear. Many of you have stories of your breaking process. And it's also very necessary, because just as the word of the Lord was today, he's calling for, for a broken people. Not just we bad, we metro, famous people come to our church. And when you come here, anybody in the church can prophesy, anybody can lay hands on you, anybody can speak the word over your life, any of them, man, pastor can step up and just go, hey, you prophesy, person, jump up and do it. This church bad. <laughs> he's looking for a broken people. And he's calling for us to stop resisting the breaking that's coming. Don't resist. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And I keep hearing that word in my spirit today for us. For a lot of you, this decision is meaning a lot of the shame that I'm describing for you that I've had to go through. In the midst of all of that, we moved into my mom's house again, my mom and dad's house. And guess what? Pastor Ray had the nerve to come back to St. Louis and start Metro Christian Worship Center and ask me to assist. And I'm like, my life is totally wrecked. And you want me to be an overseer in the house? I ain't no better off than most of the folks who gonna come. In fact, the people who coming, at least they got their own house. I'm living at home with my mom and dad. That's what's happening on the inside of me. What can I tell you? And then he asked me to lead in the offertory worship. And to, and which means encouraging people that if you give to the Lord, God will bless your life. And the one who's up there talking to you is at home living with his mom and dad. Driving, by then we, were, we have gone through a 75 Pinto wagon, because after we lost that car, then you go run over to St. Charles Rock Road and buy one of those junkers. So now I'm gonna get up and tell you about the blessings of the Lord driving my 75 Pinto wagon, which lasted until I had to get a 75 Marquis, which had, I called it the Flintstone Mobile. Do you catch the reason why? Put your foot right through the floor. That's right. If you want to stop, just put your feet down. It was so rusted out. That's right. It was dangerous. Literally, it was dangerous for my son to ride in the back seat because there was a big hole in the floor. That's right. And we're coming to church every week. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In the Knights of Columbus building and in the Forest Park Hotel. And I'm talking all about the word of the Lord. And I'm driving the worst car of anybody in there and living at home with my mom and dad. And we had our first anniversary and people from all over the country come to be with Pastor Ray in our first anniversary. And guess what? This is my brother, Chris. And in my mind is, he lives at home with his mom and dad. <laughs> they ain't got nothing. And even in our first anniversary, I'm called to come up and lead in the offertory worship. And all these people come to my mom and dad's house after the anniversary. And I'm just hoping nobody asks me, where do I live? And I intentionally stay away from the room where Carol and I sleep and keep the door closed so nobody knows that we live here. And I knew that somebody had to figure out, boy, Chris ain't left the place all day. <laughs> intentionally dressed up and everything. Don't even look like I'm living here. And hope my son doesn't say something to give it away. Yeah, man, but who for the joy that's set before you, you endure the cross and despise the shame. Because sometimes there's a lot of shame and we got a lot of pride, a whole lot of pride. And it's not godly at all. I remember 
we had a couple that came and joined our fellowship. They, the husband was in the service. They joined us in our days in the Forest Park Hotel. Then we moved to the Learning Center and he was given orders to move to Germany. And when he moved, he and his wife said, you guys can take over our apartment. So we get to move out from mom and dad's place. Now here's the reason why that was so significant. Because I knew the status of our credit and I'm still going, okay, God, I'll say yes to you. By then the breaking process that got me back to, I'll just do whatever you say and forget about what it looks like. I know your word is true because you did deliver us and you brought us to a point and a height. And even though what looks like a setback, and as far as I'm concerned, it is. I know you'll do it again. But this time you're going to show me something, and it won't be because I got a good job and I got good credit and all of that, the reason why I'm going to make it this time. It's going to be solely upon obedience to you. Because really, the first time, that's how we did it. We did it. After the Lord gave us those grit jobs, we went right back. And I take responsibility for that as head of the home went right out and got the things that everybody gets. But this time, it's God. If we make it this time, and we are, it's going to be solely upon you. So with bad credit, even when you kind of call around and see if we can get a place, always the first thing is you got to have good credit reference just to get an apartment, to get a decent place. So when this opened up, without having to fill out an application, without going through a credit check. God got us into an apartment. When this brother just said, take over the lease for me. One bedroom place, but it was, we lived next door to somebody that smoked crack, but in some ways we didn't care because it was ours and God was showing us something that without effort on your part, I'll move on your behalf. So without the normal process, God got us into a one-bedroom place over on Russell, close to here. Didn't know God was already getting us ready for being on the south side. Had no idea. Then another sister in the, ch in the church gave up her apartment <laughs> and said, Pastor Chris, I'm going to give up my place. You can take over the lease on mine. And that was a three-bedroom place. It's like, God, you'll do it again? Not once, but twice. God got us into a place with no credit check and no application. Come in again on a sublease. This was a three-bedroom place. This is great, especially since Carol was pregnant with the twins by then. Ha, 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 Then we watched God miraculously move on her behalf. And the whole church joined with us in prayer and intercession because they were coming too soon also. Yeah, we've had much warfare upon this entire, this entire family with having children being born. And God moved. And this wonderful, sweet, loving wife that I married gave birth to two boys with no anesthesia. And I said, girl, you bad. I ain't messing with you. I am not going to, I still, I, I joke about that sometimes, but I'm for real. I ain't messing with her. <laughs> a woman that can give birth to twins with no anesthesia, you don't mess with. Subsistence, yeah, that's right. You don't, mm-mm. <laughs> I have much respect. <laughs> but God moved on our behalf. And by then, as you, some of you know, we were in our great quest to find this building. And God, using my personal life to show me that he'll do this, that he'll lead it, he'll guide it. But I'm just showing you how God does. With all our effort, he moved us into that place. And then he told me when we were looking for to move over here, found this building. God said, move to the south side, be in the community, follow him. But it was, and your record shows that you are recovering then I'll take a chance on you guys. 
That's how we got into the home we're in now. And again, no effort on our part, because I've seen people do it. I used to work in finance when I was with Beneficial. If somebody wanted to get a loan, they would always call down to the credit bureau, try to get this fixed, get that changed, get that corrected, and then you go out and try to get some credit. But the Lord said, just tell them straight out. And who for the joy set before you endure the cross, despise the shame. Tell them straight out what you've been through. Because God's going to do it. I hope this is speaking today. That's the call that's upon us. The Lord told us before we got married that our marriage was to be a demonstration of what he was expecting out of our lives first as a married couple and then the ministry that we would be involved in. So I've taken the time to tell you some of the things that have happened to know what's expected of us. This is not a call to Raphael Green. This is not even a call to Metro Christian Worship Center. This is the call to Jesus. This is the decision that his disciples were having to make when he came and said, follow me. Tap you on the shoulder and say, come with me. Because the natural questions are, but what? how am I going to make it? How? Because God, you're supposed to have, and this got to be in place, and that, and, and he says, follow me. But God, if I do that, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose family, friends. I'm going to lose my good name in the community if I really do that, God. But he says, follow me. And that's what's on us. And I would that we respond. For some of you, it will be just a, okay, yes. For now, it's just yes, I'll do it. Eventually, it's going to get to, I'm willing to do it. I really think that's the emphasis today. God wants the willingness to do it. Not just what I did for a long time of just do it, but the willingness. God, I want your way. I really want this. I really want you. And I'll do whatever it takes to follow you. Because what I'm after is not my glory, not even my well-being, but I want you. The word of the Lord says that when we are received, this is a people who are, after we've made this decision, when we are received, Jesus said it, when a righteous man is received, they're not only receiving us, but he said they're receiving Jesus and they're receiving the one who sent Jesus. But they won't be receiving Jesus. They won't be receiving God Almighty if we're not a people who have already made the decision and turned. That's what he meant when he talked about even if one of them gives one of us, his disciples, a cup of water, that they're going to be rewarded. There, they're going to be rewarded because that's a reward that comes to them for giving to people who have decided, I'll follow Jesus. That's what's happening with coworkers. That's what's happening with landlords. Those who have received you. Circumstance, and I've heard some of your testimonies where you really shouldn't have got the job, shouldn't have got the house, shouldn't have got the car, shouldn't have got whatever, but they received you. And that was because you made the decision, I'm going to do it God's way. That's what's happening to us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We honor you. You really do mean more to us than life itself. God, as your servant, I've just obeyed you and just opened up my heart and my life just as a demonstration of what you really do call indeed demand of us. We thank you, Lord. You have caused us to be born and to live 
in a tremendous hour in the history of the church. But Lord, don't let it be said of us that we were a generation who on the brink of promise turned back for the brickyards of Egypt. Lord, we want to fulfill your purpose in our generation. Oh, Lord, our God, we submit our lives to you. We worship you, not with just with lips, but with a life and every decision that we have to make. We have no choice. Every decision we have to make to turn to you. God, we ask you for grace, for the, your God, divine ability to respond to you and to do it, God. There's so much to be disappointed about. There's so much hurt. There's so much to be ashamed of. But God, we want you. It's all or nothing now. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Chris, for being open sharing your life with us today. As I listen to Pastor Chris, it's kind of hard for him to put in just the small space of time that he's had today. The 10 or 15 years of lessons and things that God has taught him and that he brings and comes to this platform with I do want to say that the, that the lesson that the Lord is uh, seemingly just re-emphasized today this, in, the, in the way that God has used him to minister is a very profound truth, and that is a simple truth, that what we have, we've received from the Lord, if it's good, would you agree with that? And the way that it has come has come by grace through faith. Everybody say that, please. By grace through faith. It's one of those open secrets from the word of God. By grace through faith doesn't mean it was always done right. Doesn't mean it was done perfectly. Sometimes when you look back in retrospect, you see, oh, I really blew that. Why didn't I just do this? Why didn't I just do that? Why didn't I just turn here? But by grace through faith means that God's unmerited favor has been extended, even in our ignorance or our stupidity or our rejection of the truth or our negligence. It also means God's help has been available. I've, I've come to learn over the years that even when you're trying to do right, God knows your heart. Someone else can sit over in the corner with X amount of years of experience above you and to criticize you and say, well, you could have done this, you could have done that. Why didn't you think this? But even when your spirit is after God, trying to do what he's called you to do, God has ways of bringing those people into your life and helping you in the meantime until they arrive. Being a part of the people of the Lord doesn't mean that you, you never blow it. What it does mean is that when you do, there's a place of rest, and there's a place of repentance, and there's a place of renewal, there's a place of restoration. And then there's a time of release where you can go and help others. You've heard the word of the Lord today Pastor Chris didn't pick up the Bible and read a text as I normally do or some others might. But you've heard God's word. A sower went forth to sow seeds. Some fell by the wayside. Some fell among stony ground. Some fell among thorns and thistles. Some fell in good ground. He that receives seed by the wayside is he that hears the word and doesn't understand it. The birds come and pluck it up. He that receives seed among the stony ground is he that hears the word and receives it with joy, but becomes offended 
because by and by when the word comes, persecution comes in opposition to the word. And this one feels that it wasn't worth what he had to go through to live what he has just joyously received. He that receives seed among the thorny ground is he that hears the word and a poor time is fruitful, but the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lustful things choke what he has for a season become fruitful in. He that receives seed among good ground is he that he, person, that understands. He receives the word with understanding and goes forth and brings forth fruit. This last hour and a half or hour and 45 minutes or so that Pastor Chris has been used of God in this way has not come merely to unveil or be transparent. There have been little seeds all along the way. You know which ones God has put in your spirit. Receive it. Let it go through the process that it must go through to be dormant and to die and then to reproduce. <laughs> 